Hour number three of the Wendy Bell Radio Program. Delighted to be with you. Thank you for carving out some time for us. You know, it was uh, it was last summer, I think, when the Dobbs decision broke, and we we watched very carefully. And it's kind of cool when you look at the landscape, particularly when it has to do with politics and media and all that is so wrong in our country right now. To look at it from that 30,000 foot view, because you can see things starting to line up that you didn't see before from the ground level. And we looked down on that and we marveled at how quickly protesters with props, with fake blood, with fake aborted babies, as disgusting as that is, right? With posters, how fast they were on the steps of the Supreme Court protesting right after that decision came out. And we looked at each other and I was like, how do they do that? It's almost like it's all planned because it is, right? How, how else do you create the illusion of public sentiment when the reality of people who are common sense individuals, and I'm going to go with that's the lion's share of us, think that for a conversation as sensitive as abortion, it really ought not be in the purview of nine men and women. It should be something that's decided on the streets here where we vote. It should be a consensus among individual states that what seems normal in California or acceptable in one community is not the same in another community, period. And we just were, we were incredulous. Wow. Vote comes out, you know, breaking news, doot, 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 doot. And then within, I, I kid you not, 30 minutes, there were angry people. This is the exact same thing that we talked about earlier in the program, where you use George Soros money and he's got his own cast of ne'er-do-well malcontents, right? On speed dial, like the assassins in Jason Bourne, the Bourne identity, right? Well, so-and-so, we need to take him out in Israel or Egypt or Cairo, wherever you're going to be. Okay, call the number. Here's the phone. Boop, boop, boop. There we go. It's almost like these people who used to be part of like a, you know, a squad 
who used to do flash mobs and break out and dances somewhere, now are just ready to be professional agitators. That's what you've got. And I think a lot of people are paying attention to this now and realizing how is it so fast that everybody and his brother seems to have a Palestinian flag? Like, was there a sale on Amazon and everybody just got theirs mailed to them? Or has this been very carefully manipulated and crafted and created? Even carefully crafted and created with terrorists who have absolutely no care or concern about life. So when I hear about this sort of a headline, and I like this, I like this author, this reporter for Breitbart, Emma Jo Norris. She's Morris, excuse me. She's, she's good. I like what she says. But she's talking about how liberal secular Jews are awakening now and seeing that the people that they thought they were marching alongside whose progressive activism kind of struck a nerve with them because they themselves feel disenfranchised in their own ways, realize that really they were never part of the club because these groups are showing their true colors and have turned against them. And there's this overarching disillusionment now with that radical wing on the left. At 30,000, you see it pretty clearly, right? And we see a lot of activists for hire who are creating really uncomfortable situations, dangerous situations on college campuses all across the country. It's not just Penn. It's not just Harvard or Columbia. It's all over. It's in Wyoming. It's in Washington State. It's in Oregon. It's everywhere, right? And so I want to read you a little bit about this because I think it's it's interesting to see that the Jewish community in, in many ways is the most recent to realize that it's really been a pawn in a very ugly game and that the people playing the game never, ever really cared about them, right? I've known this for a long time about the Democratic Party. I think black Americans are getting it more and more, particularly if you look at the polling, the non-college graduate working black man is seeing all too well the play that their community has been used and abused and is purposefully kept down and used as a victim to perpetuate this never-ending money machine, right? Using activist, young sentiment, which is groomed and cultivated by and large in school, and then set free to be kind of the public relations wing of the crazy Democratic Party faction, the crazy faction. So a deluge of stories and columns have been published throughout Western media, and they all kind of have the same refrain, at least over the last week. This indifference among those on the left after the barbaric attack by Hamas on Israeli civilians, and it now has liberal Jews taking a second look at their political alliances, right? The Times of London, the New York Times, Tablet, the Free Press. They've all in the past week featured pieces detailing how secular Jews in the West, generational liberals who were always supportive of myriad social justice causes, championed by progressives, are now shocked and repulsed by their political quote-unquote allies, dismissal of the violence inflicted on their families in Israel by despicable anti-Semite terrorists, right? Western secular Jews have long been left-wing, 
The culture is socially liberal, humanist, intellectual, generous, communal, which has kind of always led them into the arms of various left-wing parties in the countries where they live. And they've historically played key roles in civil rights movements. They've, uh, They've been some of the most prominent voices for civil liberties and more recently have by and large been supportive of the modern iterations of left-wing social movements. But after October 7th, after anybody would defend Hamas or criticize Jews or saying, you know, we want Jewish genocide, This has been a huge eye-opener for these folks in the Jewish community. Think about it. Black Lives Matter. BLM released statements in support of Hamas, a genocidal pseudo-government with a stated purpose of murdering every Jew from the river to the sea, pledging solidarity with resistance of 57 years of, quote, settler colonialism and apartheid. Then they watched what? Greta Thunberg. What did she do? Oh, I didn't mean to. I didn't realize that that little octopus meant something that was... I I think it's because I'm on the spectrum. I like the octopus because it's for people like me who are on the autism spectrum. What a terrible liar. So Greta Thunberg declared that she stands with Gaza, calling for an immediate ceasefire, justice, and freedom for Palestinians, while scores of Jewish innocents remain hostage. And it's worse. American Jews watched A-list celebrity activists bemoan the the bombs that have been dropped on Gaza after reserving comment on the torture of thousands of Jews just some days earlier. American Jews also have watched the schools from the Northeast to the West Coast holding protests and producing letters exclaiming that this atrocity, the pure horror that they had just streamed on social media, Hamas did, actually didn't happen in a vacuum. American Jews watched their political heroes, including former President Barack Obama and Joe Biden, hurriedly withdraw their initial backing of Israel and kind of shift it over to Gaza, lest Islamophobia be born out of Israeli support. And now Jews are looking all around at the people they've always stood with and realizing in their moment of tragedy, they're alone. There's a lot of that going around, isn't it? Isn't there? Because Gaza is a bad place to live with an oppressed population and Israel is a nice place to live with a thriving population. No further analysis as the myopic and shallow modern leftist ideology binary will not allow for it. It's a lot of a lot of current day lingo that says I think the The Jewish population here in America is waking up and realizing that it fell for something that was bogus from the beginning. And when the rubber hits the road and it's time to show who you support and who you really are, these people are rising up in support of Hamas. That's tough. Well, may I say to all of you who are in that capacity... You know who's not celebrating Hamas? You, you know who's not celebrating the slaughter of anyone from any side? You know the ones who support school choice so people in predominantly black and Hispanic communities can get the hell out of the places and the education systems that have failed them for years, who fight for those rights? You know the people who support the American family, which we should all support 
Yeah, it's over here on the right. And uh, you don't have to prove anything to be a member. You maybe just have to love your family and love America. Simple as that. Welcome home. John Kennedy, you know, we started with a little of his audio at the beginning. You just got to try harder not to suck. One of my favorite things the senator has said. Well, he lights up a Department of Homeland Security hack. It's worthwhile. It's worthwhile. Believe you me. Next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. I think if we were to ask a question of all Americans. All right. So we have a new speaker. We've got a a Congress that is involved. We've got a House that's ready to do something, that's ready to take action, that's ready to get to work. What would your top priority be? And there are so many, right? I could list off a ton. My my personal one has to do with January 6th, has to do with the people who've been imprisoned. It has to do with stopping that crazy. It's about releasing the 41,000 hours of cell phone video. It's about releasing all of the documents that show for sure because we've covered it extensively, that there were dozens of undercover operatives for the Department of Justice inside those buildings, inside that building. There's no question, right? No question. Let the American people show, show the American people. Let us decide. I think another overarching thing we'd like to know is how on earth are we going to fix a situation in which 7 million, 8 million people have already crossed the border since Joe Biden became president, allegedly, right? What do we do about these people? Where do they go? Who are they? How do we get rid of them? And look, that's not a bad thing to say. You don't deserve to be here. There's a process. And I can speak for the the Irish men, who is my HVAC guy, who is the greatest guy in the world, who texted me the day he became naturalized. There's a process. You don't skip the line just because the Democrats are worried about turnout in 2024. You don't skip the line just because you've been promised, right? Come to this country. You come here, you vote Democrat, we'll give you everything you need. I want to know about immigration. I want to know how we get rid of these people. I want to know how you root out folks who just disappeared. One and a half million gotaways. How do you get them? Well, that's something that The Senate is talking about. There's a Senate hearing going on, in fact. John Kennedy, one of our favorite sound bites. Don't always agree with his votes or his decisions, but it is what it is. He had a gentleman in the hot seat yesterday named Cardell Morant. Now, Cardell Morant is not just some schlub. He is a high-ranking dude within the Department of Homeland Security. What is his title? He is the director of... The Center for Countering Human Trafficking. That is a pretty big job. We know that there is a disgusting human trafficking situation going on in this country. And you don't have to know it just by seeing Sound of Freedom. It's, it's not deniable. The sale of human beings and the sexual servitude of children, which is the most disgusting thing that I've said to you today, is a bigger business than the drug trade facts this guy's job is to lead some center if you will for countering human trafficking i don't know what that means are you deeply embedded ground level working with people who know who the players are what is your job mr cardell morant well john kennedy has similar questions and i want you to hear it go 
Chairman, uh, Mr. Morant, um, since President Biden's been president, uh, how many non-American citizens have come into our country illegally or on the basis of a claim of asylum? Thank you, Senator. Um, HSI as an investigative agency is... Uh, how, how, do you know the number? No, Senator. You're a senior member of Homeland Security, are you not? That's correct. Does anybody know the number? None of you know the number. Try 8 million. Now, of that 8 million, how many were children, Mr. Morant? I don't have that number. Set. You don't know. Does anybody know? None of you know. Isn't that special? Let's assume half. Okay. Eight million is four Nebraskas. Right? Four new states. Let's assume, I don't think it's as high, half of them are children. How many of the how many of those eight million people are still here? Do any of you know? Okay. Um, how many how many of those eight million are claiming asylum? They know nothing. You don't know? No. How many of them claim asylum and don't show up for their hearing? Crickets. The guy he's asking this of, ladies and gentlemen, his job is... How many of them claim... His job is the director of the Center for Countering Human Trafficking. If you don't know how many humans are coming, how do you know anything? By the way, his salary? $115,000 a year. You paid for that. This is what you get, my friends. This is what we're calling out. Boom. Truth from Hawaii. They knew it was a tinderbox in 2018. Next. Something that I found very intriguing is the lack of journalistic curiosity and follow through. How about let's just call it the lack of concern at all. All about what the hell happened in Hawaii. Why doesn't a single reporter seem to care about one of the greatest horrors in American history? Don't try to tell me, Josh Green, governor of Hawaii, that only 98 people died when, because of your orders, and the police blockades on certain roads that made everybody get into a cattle chute into one street where the flames went. <sighs> Don't tell me that there were only 98 people who died there because your lack of honesty, your corruption and deception is a disgusting slap in the face to everybody who lives in Realville. So would it surprise you at all to find out that not only did Maui officials know that the particular community there was at great risk of being wiped out by fire. It had happened five years ago during Hurricane Lane. A fire sparked 2,000 2, acres 
just a few little, a few miles away from Lahaina were destroyed. And the government looked at it. They looked at it and they're like, ah, we, we, we did an investigation. We have an after action plan. What happened? And then they sat on it and then they kept it secret. Almost as though that they were waiting for something like what happened in Lahaina to happen. It's disgusting. Folks there on the ground tell me they suspect as many of a thousand people could be dead. Where are all the children? Where are the interviews with the schools? Kids just didn't come back. One in four just didn't come back. And what about those schools, the three schools that are sitting on the hill that have one road in and out? What are you guys doing about that? How about cutting back the brush? How about setting up fire stations in various areas? What have you done in Democrat Hawaii to mitigate any kind of situation like we saw? Besides nothing, I don't know. So there's a reporter there, HNN News, all right? This young lady, I broke down something that she's, she's obviously spent a lot of time digging into this. And we need to get to the bottom at least of our own questions because nobody else is. In audio soundbite number one from HNN Investigates, Maui knew of the fire damage or danger back in 2018. And this is why, number one, Five years before that ferocious inferno trapped and killed at least 98 people and erased the town, Lahaina was in the crosshairs of another quick-moving wildfire. In August 2018, winds from Hurricane Lane fueled a destructive blaze that consumed more than 2,000 acres and 21 homes in the Kaua'ula Valley, a community just a few minutes up the hill from Lahaina. Former Civil Defense Council Chair Sherman Thompson said firefighters barely managed to stop the flames. The potential of Lahaina Town being destroyed was very, very real. That was, was way too close. It's a danger Joe Pluta has been aware of for decades. We just knew that West Maui wasn't safe. The longtime Lahaina resident heads up the West Maui Improvement Foundation. He says it's why the nonprofit started a grassroots campaign to raise money to build more fire stations, especially on the leeward side of the island. Those fundraisers are the reason a fire station was built in Napili. So wait a minute. They knew after 2018, after fire destroyed 2,000 acres, we need to take action. So who takes action? Your government? No, absolutely not. In the fourth most Democrat voting state. No, they said we're not going to. So a grassroots community organization thing starts. They raise money and build that one fire station in Napili. Community organizers go to the mayor next. Listen. Pluta says he, along with other members of the foundation, had hoped the 2018 fire would be the wake-up call. The county needed to start taking additional steps to prevent future wildfires. So we went and had a meeting with the mayor, Mayor Victorino. He had Herman and Daya there, his mercy manager. Five years ago, Mayor Victorino was still a few months away from officially taking office. And the fire was August 2018. This was September 2018. Yes. Pluta said the purpose of the meeting was to advocate for a fire department in Uluwalu, about seven miles south of Lahaina. He says he'd already secured this plot of land on Luawai Street. The nonprofit was in the process of raising funds to build it and wanted support from the county. He says members of the foundation were also in search of more information about the fire that nearly took the town. We got to find out what went right, what went wrong, and then let's see what we can collectively do 
to make sure that none of this stuff could possibly happen again. So they're getting no information from their government, kind of like right now. Interesting. Radio silence didn't happen. You're not welcome here. So they go to the mayor and they say, hey, we want to look at that after action report. What did you discover? What can we learn? Listen. But he says that conversation didn't go as expected. When Pluta asked for a copy of the after action report. Mr. Indaya was so concerned. He says, you can look at it here in the office, but you can't say anything about it to anybody. Uh, it's all confidential. The impression I got is that he said the, the liability to the county is way too, too high because of what is revealed in that report. And we don't want anybody to know anything about it. You read it but you cannot say what it said. I didn't want to, you know, get, get accused of leaking confidential information and having to go to court. Did what you read concern you? Absolutely. In what way? The, well, the failure to recognize the, uh, the uh, imminent dangers that were revealed. We're on an island, literally and actually right proverbially and then and he said look we nobody's taking any action we saw we lost 2,000 acres tell us what we can do to fix this you can look at the report but you can't talk to anybody about it why would that be so the reporter from HNN decides she's going to do some digging of her own go H&N Investigates has spent weeks submitting public records requests to a multitude of Maui County agencies in an effort to obtain a copy of the 2018 Lahaina Wildfire After Action Report. The county told us it forwarded our request to its emergency management office, but we've yet to hear back. Meanwhile, a spokesperson with the Maui Police Department said she was unable to locate the report within normal search parameters. We even put a request into Maui County's Police Commission. Officials there didn't respond at all. The executive director of the Civil Beat Law Center told H&N Investigates there is no good reason Maui County should be withholding the entire report. Stonewall, slow walk, run out the clock, hide cover up does it seem so familiar to you of course it does so then she goes back to the guy who's the community organizer right and he says what are we doing nobody's taking any action this can happen again listen what else did you take away from that meeting? That we had a very serious problem. Bluta says at the time, the county didn't have an evacuation plan for West Maui. It's still unclear if there's one today. We've got some built-in problems, the way that things are designed here. Uh, Lahaina Luna Road, for example. we got three schools up there at the top, thousands of kids. There's only one way in and out of that place. He says nearby neighborhoods aren't much better. I think it's a built-in trap. That's what happened. Everybody got stuck. It's almost feeling like it was planned. Now that sounds very conspiracy theoristy. But you know what? When they hide information, when they don't let you see it, when they don't talk to the public, when they don't release information, when everything is done in dark, you know you're getting screwed. And they still don't have an evacuation plan. Are you out of your mind? So how about this? That gentleman, the community organizer, said, you know what? I wanted to know directly from the mayor's mouth what is going on. Listen. 
It's an outcome that was prophesized three years ago in the pages of another document, the county's hazard mitigation plan. The report says if any section of the road or utility line is damaged by a wildfire, the entire system may be impacted, insinuating people might not be able to escape. After that meeting, what happened? No, there was no follow-up. We are working for the people. We asked former Mayor Victorino about his recollection of the meeting with Pluta, what he knew about the 2018 Lahaina fire after Action report and if his administration did anything about it. However, he declined to answer our questions or sit down with HN investigates for an interview. When you have nothing to hide, my friends, you sit down for an interview. When hundreds of people have been incinerated in their cars, when whole families are wiped out, you don't hide, Josh Green. You don't hide. You meet the people who are grieving. Unless, of course, you're dirty and you've got something to hide. And finally, audio soundbite seven. She tried to go to the head of Hawaii's emergency management agency. That seems like something that you would do. The guy, though, is AWOL. Doesn't have to talk now either. Listen. Meanwhile, we've been unable to reach Herman and Dyer for comment. He resigned, citing health reasons as head of Maui County's Emergency Management Agency in August, a week after fire leveled Lahaina. You can't do the things that they've done here and not expect there's going to be a consequences for, for inadequate planning. <sighs> Doesn't this all seem so familiar? Like they see trial runs. How can we make sure we are not prepared the next time? How is this any different than the California wildfires, ladies and gentlemen? You know that you need to address the dry brush. You know that you've got a job to do that would greatly impact firefighters, right? And you don't. And then you hide. You hide and you lie. You don't answer phone calls. You don't give press releases or press updates. You sweep it under the rug. Do you really think that the people of Lahaina can be swept under the rug? Because that's exactly what they're hoping you're going to do. And your media of suck is helping them do it. We're not going to pay attention to that story. Hi, East Palestine, Ohio's on the phone. They know how it feels. Quick time out when we come back. Another little George Soros tidbit for you. Kind of delicious. It's a good way to end the show. Next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. So we have to start looking at everything. I remember when we started paying attention to all of the food manufacturing fires and mishaps. Oh, such and such struck by lightning. Wow, that's so odd. How many train derailments does it take before people start paying attention? It seems like it's sort of purposeful. You want to make people sick? You want to ruin something? You want to create an issue? Well, there you go. Send it on rail, rail right? Why? How about the chicken manufacturers? <clears throat> right? How many hundreds of thousands of eggs did we lose? And we started connecting the dots and we're like, wait a minute, how, how do you have like a hundred different things in a calendar year? One every two to three days. Something is going wrong every maybe see three to four days. Something is catching fire. There's something really weird happening. And then you're like, I wonder what it is. That's so odd, conspiracy theorist, meaning you're on to something, right? So is it beyond the stretch here at 30,000 feet to look at a Lahaina in a very specific way? 
and to say it looked like they learned a whole lot how to how to get rid of a lot of people and, and destroy a lot of property in a hurry specifically when you know there's a hurricane coming isn't that disgusting how much do you think i'm right so i read this poll i don't believe polls i tell you this all the time we like to talk about them we find them interesting whatever joe biden's favorability drops to a four-year low okay let's get to this this is the public religion research institute not familiar with it but that's cool President Joe Biden's favorability among Americans sitting at a four-year low as the embattled octogenarian, a.k.a. Weekend at Bernie's, seeks a second term in office, all right? Only 37%. I think he's been at 37% for the last four years. I think it's hogwash, but whatever. 60% hold an unfavorable view of Joe Biden. This is marking his worst unfavorable rating dating back to 2019. During the 2020 election cycle, the same pollster found Biden's favorability rating had fallen slightly from 42 percent in october of 2019 his highest favorability i can't imagine this 55 percent when he assumed office he was mentally incoherent at that time still right now the president's favorability among democrats is 80 (laughs) percent oh bless your heart among the 80 percent who view biden favorably only 32 percent view him very favorably just three in ten independents And 6% of Republicans view Joe Biden favorably. This is where it gets interesting. The 80-year-old's current current favorability among Democrats, 80%, falls just short of the Democrat average favorability of former President Barack Obama, who had 81%, according to Pew Research. However, Americans held a 64% overall favorable impression of Obama in 2016, which is a... It's a 27 point difference to today with Joe Biden. Now, (laughs) the poll sampled 2,525 Americans from August 25th to 30 with a 2.1 point margin of error. The group conducted the poll through, quote, generous support from whom? The Open Society Foundations. A grant-making network founded by business magnate George Soros, a far-left billionaire activist. How are we supposed to believe that 80% have a favorable view of Joe Biden when 60% of those same Democrats want a different candidate? 100% correct, right? So where is this guy and his money not influencing a headline? He's influencing everything. He's buying and paying for those activist DAs. Alvin Bragg, Letitia James. How about the dude? What, Krasner? How many others? Right? What else is he doing? He's paying these activist groups and giving them, he's not, but the foundation is, and is presenting names like for peace or Jews want peace. And what they really are is militant 'er ne'er-do-wells who want to whip up hatred and violence and get people fighting and create a narrative that's not the narrative. You've just described Antifa. Well, do, do describe that, Brock. They show up at places they mm-hmm. none of them have jobs mm-hmm. uh they get things dropped off for them and they just basically wreak 
Havoc. A havoc. And, period. And by the way, and who is told who who is told not to use the word terrorism or terrorist? That would be the AP. The AP. Who do they get their money from? Bill Gates and George Soros, I'm assuming. A hundred percent correct. So you can see you control the language. You control the people telling you what's going on. You control the story. And now if you're in Lahaina and you're poking around and you just want answers because you have questions. And by golly, when your neighbors are incinerated in a makeshift crematorium, yeah, you got some questions. You're told to watch out. Or we'll share with you some information, but here's the gag order. You're not allowed to talk about it. Here's President Trump. We're going to put a muzzle on you. You speak about what is right, and that scares us. Here's a fine, and it's just the first one. Don't step out of line. It's all connected. And though it's sad to see, and I'm sure it's excruciatingly difficult for Jews to, to wake up and realize that all of the people who farcically pretended to care about them and their causes have been nothing more than George Soros-funded militants just like Black Lives Matter. This is where we are, ladies and gentlemen, right? So join me tomorrow, 30,000 feet. We'll go back up, up into the ethos, take a look down and see what else is shaping up for us. Mm -hmm. It's the truth, my friends. Thanks for being here. Great to be with you as always. See you tomorrow. Peace.